Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and today with me I have Dr. Brandon Roberts, the Chief Science Officer of Tailored Coaching Method. What you are about to hear is this week's research review. Every single week we are going to bring you a short 10 to 20 minute podcast breaking down one specific topic diving into all the research and teaching you as much as possible and giving you application takeaways to use this for a science-based approach. So stay tuned and get ready for this week's research review. All right, so today we're going to be talking about sleep, which is a uh, the the least sexy topic to learn about, but one of the most important things to learn about. It's one of those things that I think we all need to improve, yet none of us actually commit to doing so. I've had a, a a lot of sleep issues over the years. So I'm excited to hear what you say about this. Um, and there's two sides of the coin. I've heard people, um, I think I've said this to you before, like I think Greg Knuckles was the one that was just like, I'm not convinced there's enough research to show me that sleep does anything, you know, for for hypertrophy or strength in the grand scheme of things. And then there's other people that are like, I mean, you're going to have no testosterone. You're going to die. You're going to not be able to think. You won't be able to train. You need sleep, right? And there was, there's a book, I can't remember what it's called, but the author was on Joe Rogan. And that scared the shit out of a lot of people because it was like really detrimental how how much negative impact can ha- be had when you don't sleep enough. But I think I've heard that a lot of his claims were kind of iffy and not fully supported. So hopefully we can clear this up and maybe not fearmonger people, but just remind them how important sleep is. So um, what you what'd you put together for this one? Yeah, so I've, I've done a couple of presentations on sleep. I had this really good one. I think I gave it to the coaches a while back. Um, but basically, you know, average, you need about seven to eight hours of sleep per night. Like there are some people who, you know, the sleepless elite who can get away with like five or six hours. That's like uh, 1% of the population or less. So it's very, very rare. Um, but what I kind of wanted to focus on with this topic is we all know sleep's good for us. I want to focus on what we can do in terms of sleep hygiene. So sleep hygiene is much like normal hygiene, like you bathe, you brush your teeth, you, you take care of your body. So it's taking care of your sleep or creating a sleep environment that is kind of better for your sleep process. Uh, so there are some easy ones like um, don't sleep in a hot environment, right? Have a cool environment. Whatever that is for you, there's you know some research to support like 68 to 72 is like good. But maybe you don't like that. So whatever helps you sleep best um, in terms of temperature. Um, then there's like some obvious ones like manage your stress because stress affects sleep. Um, have regular, so I'm going to hit a couple and then we'll go deep into some of them. Um, have regular sleep wake times for your circadian rhythm. So one of the kind of research shows that there's a couple studies that show this um if you wake up and go to sleep at the same time you'll eventually not even need an alarm clock but be less um stressed and you'll have less time to not like rah, tongues get twisted you'll sleep better regularly there we go right so wake up and go to sleep at the same time yeah <laughs> that's, a, that's a rough one it's been talking a lot today um so those are some quick hitters. The one that, uh, or there's three that I really wanted to focus on. Um, so one is reduce caffeine intake. So research shows that a single dose of caffeine, like, like a soda, 
for example, diet soda, 60, 50 milligrams, uh, lasts, has a half-life of three to five hours, right? So that's half the time that it's in your bloodstream. So if you drink a energy drink or something at like 1 or 2 p.m., you know, it's not really cleared, depending on how much you drink, until like midnight sometimes, right? Or at least 8 or 9, where you're trying to go to sleep. So that's the, the, the easiest one I've had or found to work is, hey, if I'm going to take my pre-workout, I'm going to make sure I work out in the morning or in the kind of like early, early afternoons, like 11 or 12, really lunchtime, breakfast time, um, versus having my pre-workout at 5 p.m. and going into the gym hyped up on caffeine. Um, so that's one. What is, I'm curious, what's your, what's your caffeine intake? Oh like, God. Kind of timing wise. <laughs> it's not good. Um, as I'm sitting here drinking a Rockstar right now and it is 2.45 p.m. my time. Um, typically I have my last dose of caffeine right around 2.30, between 2.30 and 3 because at 3 p.m. I typically go lift. Um, I usually have a rock star at that time. If, if I don't, I still have my pre-workout, but my pre-workout stim free. So I get, the, I use Legion's stim free pole. So there's no caffeine in it, um, which is a good recommendation to people who are trying to cut out caffeine. When I've ha- had to really focus on reducing it, decaf coffee is a game changer because although there's still, I think a little tiny bit of caffeine, it's significantly less. And you can really kind of trick yourself into feeling like you're drinking coffee in the morning and it can avoid the headaches and all that stuff that comes with it. It's very placebo based, but, um, and then stem free pre-workout. Unfortunately, there's no good caffeine free energy drinks because I love the taste of energy drinks. So my caffeine intake, usually I have one cup of coffee in the morning at like 6am is when I wake up. And then I usually have three rock stars throughout the day spread out pretty evenly. Yeah. And that's my caffeine intake. So one Rockstar, let's look at this. This is uh, 160 milligrams, so 160 times three. Uh, what is that, 480, I think? Yeah. Okay, okay. So and then I got some good news for you. I was, I, I was hoping he was going to say something high. That's, that's, that's rather, rather high. Yeah. I get um, the Rockstars because they're lower. Like bangs are like 400 milligrams. Like I try to avoid those ones because I know I can drink this whole can and it's only 160 compared to some of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. So there is some research to show that if you're caffeine habituated, which you and I definitely are, um, there's not as bad an effect on your sleep. So the, the research is kind of, it's not novel, but it's not deep enough for me to say, you know, hey, if you have 500 milligrams of caffeine a day, your sleep isn't affected if you, you know, continue that after a certain period. Like you can't give like a bold recommendation, but there is a little bit of evidence to show that once you get habituated, like it doesn't affect your sleep as much, especially if it's separated more from uh, your sleep time, right? But I do recommend kind of easing back a little bit. I like the the stem-free pre-workouts. Caffeine-free coffee is... mm, it's okay. Like I, I can use it sometimes. Yeah, it's Usually brand dependent. It's hard to find good tasting decaf coffee. I will say that. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. Um, okay, so that was one. So that was caffeine. Caffeine's like people's go-to mm-hmm. for like, you know, especially entrepreneurs and fitness yeah, people. It's just 100%. like I need some caffeine. Well, and remember, so, people too. Like, if you're drinking diet soda, which most of us do, like, 
try to yeah. get one that's caffeine free. That's why I drink a lot of diet root beer because it's caffeine free. I love the taste, but it's caffeine free. And that way, like I'm not drinking a bunch of diet Coke and not realizing I'm also consuming a bunch of caffeine along the way. Just a tip. Yeah, actually, you got me on to diet root beer at night instead of beer. Not that I drink beer every night. And now <laughs> I have a diet root beer and I'm like, dude, this is awesome. There's, it's um, so good. There's a lot of people have hit me up and said that like that is absolutely the best diet soda there is. Really good. Yeah, that one, that one. And then during the day, if I don't want caffeine in my diet soda, I go 7-Up or Sprite mm-hmm. Zero. Um, so that's my other two go-to ones. Yeah. Okay, enough caffeine. Opposite of caffeine, right? Alcohol. So we talked a little well, – we've talked about alcohol before. Um, but what alcohol does is it decreases the time it takes you to go to sleep, which is called sleep onset latency. Um, so you kind of have this increased slow wave sleep during the first part of the night. And I'm talking like two to three drinks, not just like one drink generally doesn't do this. Um, but then what happens is once it's metabolized, right, it's like a couple hours in, like midnight, if you go to bed at like 10 or maybe 1 or 2 a.m., your sleep becomes lighter. So you wake up easier, which is bad. Um, and your REM sleep is worse, right? And REM sleep is kind of when you're recovering a lot. Um, so that's how alcohol affects sleep. So the easiest way to do that is either not drink as much alcohol, um, or don't drink any at all. (laughs) So there's nothing that you can do to like counteract it, but, um, there's not been any research to look at the different types of alcohol yet and how they influence sleep particularly or performance for that matter. You know, you have your beer or your wine or your, your liquor. Um, so that w- I, I hope some research comes out on that. That would be quite interesting. Um, so anyway, alcohol is bad for sleep, even though it may trick you into thinking it's good for sleep. Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, I know for me, I have a tough time sleeping because when I drink, I can drink a lot. And when I do, I, my body temperature just goes through the roof. So I end up waking up in the middle of the night, just sweating. I'm just hot as hell. And, yep. you know, and for me, I like a good temperature for my room is like 65 to 68. Like I'm a cold sleeper. My wife is the opposite. So she's frigid at that temperature and I'm sweating at 70. So it's like when I drink, it's not a good mix. I put the fan right next to my face. <laughs> just like blast at me. <laughs> but, um, that's another thing that, that I've noticed. But again, this is like, I think if anybody listening to this is trying to lose weight, be healthy, anything, you should probably plan on not drinking alcohol every day anyway. So this should be like a, an occasional occurrence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So we have less caffeine, less alcohol. Um, so we're going to go positive this time. So exercise, huh? Is improved sleep, like straight up. It's got pretty strong improvements on sleep. Uh, there's even a couple of meta-analyses that suggest um, if you exercise before bed, it's not going to interfere, and it may even have like better effects on sleep. Um, I'm not sure. Like I look at that meta-analysis, and it, it's okay. Like it's 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 a decent meta, but um, I think the the big take home is like exercise improves sleep, so exercise. But don't be worried if you can only work out at night that it's going to disrupt your sleep. Right. So a lot of people thought that for a long time, but then yeah. it turns out that that's not really true. I mean, I understood why people thought it too. When you train, you get pretty wired, you know, your nervous system cranks up and, um, it's a stimulation kind of like caffeine is right. But, um, most people know that once you actually stop working out, 
you really slow down, especially if you do like, there's some people who do like PRI breathing or some kind of cool down afterwards that really helps. But nonetheless, you really, I mean, you, you definitely go into more of that parasympathetic tone once you're done working out. I know for me, I lift at three and I'm always done between four thirty and five. And then I usually eat big dinner and I'm like, I'm ready. And this is how I know I'm caffeine adapted too, because I have my last dose caffeine at three and I have no problem falling asleep ever. In fact, I have to make sure I'm like on it because my daughter wants to play until the minute she goes to bed. And then I'm just like at eight 30, just ready to crash. So it doesn't affect me at all. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the three main ones that I, I kind of want to talk about. You know, I mentioned some other stuff like noise and obviously avoiding nicotine because it's a, a stimulant like caffeine. Um, and then the regular sleep wake times and managing stress in general will help your sleep. So those are kind of like my, my top three picks from a long list of stuff. Um, I have used kind of blackout curtains and masks to cover light type things. Um, they've generally helped and there's some decent data to suggest like darkness is good for sleep. So, you know, that that's another one we could throw on there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I do, I practice all those regularly. Um, I actually bought a second noise machine after we added my daughter cause we liked having some noise. Um, and so depending on the noise, it can actually help you, you know, if it's like, it's waterfalls or rain or whatever. Um, and then the, the TV thing, like if you, I'll be dead tired of sleep, but if we turn a show on that is exciting, I'm up and I, it, it's hard for me to go to sleep. So that's a big one for me too. And then I, I will echo the, the regular sleep times. That's something I've really, really noticed and picked up on because once I like Mondays, I usually have a tough time falling asleep because after the weekend I get into the habit of sleeping in a little bit later, going to bed a little bit later. And then it's just really tough for me to fall asleep Sunday night and Monday night until I get back into my rhythm. So, um, it's partially why I even try if I can to wake up early on the weekends as well, unless I'm really tired because that way I can kind of keep that cycle going. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the sleep research also shows that like if you're sleep deprived, right. If you had a long week, like, do take that day, that Saturday, like you said, uh, at some point you like to sleep in on Saturdays, mm-hmm. like take that day and sleep in and catch up on your sleep, right? But then the next day, like I said, get back up early or go to bed around the same time um, because getting off your rhythm is, is makes it harder in life. Yeah. So. 100%. Um, all right, guys. So that, that I mean, that kind of gives you the rundown on how to get better sleep and what to avoid. Uh, this isn't a podcast diving into all the benefits of sleep. However, I have had two different sleep scientists on the podcast, um, Greg Potters, and I'm uh, losing the name of the other lady, but I've had them both on and they're great podcasts. So if you go to Google and search in Tailored Life Podcast Sleep it's bound to pop up. Um, but check those out because we talk a lot about why sleep is so important, not just w- how to get better sleep like we talked about today, but also like the actual physiological benefits of getting enough sleep and the detriments of not. So if you want to dig dive deeper into sleep, those are the go-to ones. Otherwise, just take our word for it. Get your sleep. You'll, you'll, you'll thank us later. <laughs>